All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm Connor. I'm here as always with Calvin. Hello. And we have uh, Katya with us again. Hello. And we're talking about the bad seed today. There's a couple different versions of this. We're talking about the 1956 version. Uh, this was directed by uh, Marvin Le- uh, Leroy. Because it isn't the because the character shares the same last name as him. Really? Huh. Huh. Yeah. That's an interesting character to choose to <laughs> like yeah, to share a name with, resonate <laughs> with, or emanate yourself by. And uh, this had a budget of a million, and I feel like for the time that's like significant. I feel like that's a lot of money because I think we looked up it would have with inflation would have been like ten million or so now. Hmm. But still, it just feels like to get your hands yeah. on a million dollars in the fifties feels like feels like a lot. A lot. And it made 4.1, so this wasn't like a disaster by any means. But it's 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 certainly like it's certainly weird. You can tell it's a product of its time. But uh, if we want to like dive more into like why we picked this one, because Katya and I had seen it before, and we were like, Calvin, you got to check it out. So Katya, do you want to kind of explain like why you wanted to watch this and talk about it? Yeah, this is how my mother let us know that she would murder us if we ever tried to do anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> this was her parenting film. <laughs> This one and that we I thought that the the movie was this one, but it's the one where the mom like beats her kid with a wire hanger. I think that was a totally different movie. Yeah, I I, I get them confused too. But yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. But I saw both of those under the age of ten, so I watched the Bad Seed multiple times. Right. as a kid, and yeah, I just remember it just became this little condensed little package in my head of like that's a great movie, mm-hmm. and. My mom says these things all the time. So I always just remembered it as being an awesome movie. And watching it as a kid, I was like, it's just such a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never guess what happened. <laughs> very I mean, good. fair enough. <laughs> There's one scene that's very shocking. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I I, think that, yeah, you could definitely run into the problem with this one, whereas you're like, man, I enjoyed it so much as a kid, or I thought this was like a good, good movie as a kid, and then certainly we just watched it together now, and I was like, man, this is, like, we were laughing a lot in this movie, and it's <laughs> supposed to be very serious, I think. Uh, it's certainly not a comedy. Yeah, the laugh started quickly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it really jumped into yes. the, corniness, the, the corniness of, like, a something that is languishing under the uh, pretense of a stage play. Um, right put being put to film i mean a lot of a lot of film um for decades took a long time uh to come out of the shadow of uh Mm -hmm. theater and this one is one of the i wouldn't say best examples because that might suggest it's like good it's It's like uh it's just like it clearly didn't understand how to translate to a different medium um there are still this is a, a poorly shot uh play like let alone uh, like a poorly shot film. So it's, I, I'm glad that we watched it now because it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like it, part of it though is all of these actors being trained as play actors, you know, for the theater. Yeah, because you were and saying then, these are the same actors. Yeah, interested, yeah these right? are the same actors or yeah, because yeah. we looked it up. Nancy Kelly won yeah. a Tony for The Bad Seed, like her performance, yeah. her stage performance. Uh, but yeah, Patty McCormick is in it. Uh, um, let's see, Aline Heckert, uh, Evelyn Varden, Henry Jones, and uh, Joan Croydon are all yeah. were all stage actors in the Bad Seed who reprised their roles in the film. Hmm. So they decided to use them. And I mean, c- correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like probably most people just weren't acting in movies. They 
they weren't as lucrative. I also read here that Patty McCormick was running back and forth between doing this other performance. Like she had to perform every day, like she was doing a live run or she was working on a show or something. So hmm. they were all running all around. <laughs> There's less actors to go around. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why their acting is so big, right? Because it's what you do like when you're on the theater, on the stage. You're you're showing your reaction because you have to be very obvious about it because mm-hmm. yeah. you're like people can't see you close up but now with the with the magic of movies we get to see them very close yeah this certainly loses its some of its charm i think yeah. i think if you went and saw it as a play you would be like because I, I remember you had said that you have seen the actual play and it all takes place just in one room essentially mm-hmm. and i think that idea feels like it, it feels like it just comes across as more uh not kitschy or anything if it's in a mm-hmm. play but if it's in a film then it's like oh they just couldn't build enough sets or something like yeah that. like right so but they built like the end set all by itself for yeah, like it's great literally 30 seconds at the beginning and in the end yeah don't this... go on the dock i don't know how anyone got on the dock but oh, not it's to. Forbidden. <laughs> it's forbidden. <laughs> yeah they built they basically built the outside and the dock yeah and the house um but, and that was about it but i feel like that is you can tell a cool story on a stage with that where it's like mm-hmm. uh we had talked before we recorded how you're like, well, it's like it's about the people's experience with what's Rhoda's doing. Mm-hmm. And like so then you just see them like going over it in this room and having conversations about it. I feel like that probably makes more sense in a play. Yeah. And it makes it less horrific. You're not like seeing like this man actually being burned alive, which Calvin wanted to see. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy get burned to, li- I to just death. Think it, I just <laughs> think it would be a novel idea to see a man on fire on a stage. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess before we yeah. uh, before we dive any deeper, I guess like just a little synopsis on the story. Uh, there's a family when the, the father is in the Air Force, he's going away for a month to work in Washington, D.C. And uh, mother and daughter are staying in this apartment. And you slowly realize over time that the daughter, Rhoda, is like killing people. It starts out with a, a boy named uh, Claude Daigle, uh, who won a, um, a penmanship award. And that just set Rhoda off. And so she, she goes on this like killing spree as the movie goes on. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of essentially the film. Uh, and I think part of what made it so weird to watch is it's supposed to be like, t- like it's about a murderous child, mm-hmm. but we were laughing so much during it. <laughs> and so I, I guess like one of the questions I have is why and what has changed about filmmaking in the fifties and maybe it's like dialogue and maybe it's delivery that makes it something that is like an emotional linchpin scene of the film. And like, we're laughing through it. Uh, Rhoda's played by Patty McCormick and uh, Christine, the mother is played by Nancy Kelly and they both were nominated for Oscars when this came out. So they, this obviously wasn't a comedy and people thought that their acting was like uh, at a high level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on like, why do we watch that and think it's funny? But in the fifties, it was like, this is art, this is high art right here. Yeah. And I think it, it goes back to the expectations of, of the stage play and all of that overacting is like good because it's necessary for for a play. Like if you're not going to have mics on everybody, everybody needs to be yelling and emoting, and um, that's just true of a lot of film for a long time until directors started understanding that you had a different sense of space when it's going through the camera. You have a different sense of of sound and of perspective that you can change. Um, how your characters emote to reflect that. And as film has gotten more and more towards the idea of trying to recreate um, real life, the the actual realism of being in a situation, the more and more that this stuff just seems just seems so goofy. I mean, I have I still have I have a hard time watching stage plays just in general because like, oh, this is so 
it's so contrived. not real. Yeah, that's like a contrived yeah. like emotions and yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. That's ex- I mean, that's the smart word for all of my sentences. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, how can I take this play seriously if it it looks like the people on stage aren't taking it seriously because it's everything is the performances are like overblown and over the top. But again, I I understand what you mean. It's like, well, that was yeah. the, you had to do that then, and you have to do that on stage. But yeah, then when you put it on a film, it's like, it is. It does not translate well. But I think that's part... I think they did a little bit of it. I mean, you know, Christine, the mom, she was really good at, like, tearing up and crying. And, like, she could do the close-up faces. And I feel like that's probably why people liked Rhoda. Because she had all those, like, creepy eyes. And (laughs) when she was being hugged, her face totally changed. And that's something you probably wouldn't be able to see as well in the play. You would would get to see, like, their physical, their bodily reactions. And maybe, Mm -hmm. like, tensing up. But you wouldn't actually get to see her switching back and forth between like smiling and love you mommy and like super straight faced one eye kind of slit yeah and it's funny to see how like that's a novel thing for people going to see movies in the 50s and then we get like performances like i mean it's not like a great performance but it's a really good performance but tom hanks um performance in castaway i mean that entire movie is just a giant monologue that could have been one of the goofiest movies of all time. And it's a tearjerker for very obvious reasons because they're trying to aspire to a different set of rules for the medium. Right. Speaking of monologues, that's certainly what this movie feels like. I mean, we go over like nature versus nurture for like what feels like 40 minutes. I mean, it felt like a, a like a lecture in a mm-hmm. classroom. Like, mm-hmm. um, And we talk about um, Claude's mother comes in drunk twice in this movie and it's essentially just recounting the same thing both times it's essentially the same scene it feels like she wants to talk to Rhoda about the medal that Claude won and then uh, we get another scene with Miss Fern where there's just a big exposition dump about the reason they don't she doesn't trust Rhoda or she suspects something about mm-hmm. Rhoda and then immediately like double doubles back on it when yeah. she's called out for it. It's such an odd scene. I mean it's like all very it, weird. Yeah like within the same conversation they're like are you accusing her of Having something to to do with the Dago boy? Oh no! Oh no! Like <laughs> would never. But she's not allowed back at the school. No. Oh, is that because you think she's killed him? Oh, absolutely yeah. not. So, <laughs> the other. But thing... she seems like a demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she's definitely terrible. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not saying she did it, but yeah, she can't come <laughs> back to school. <laughs> I just don't even think anybody wants to, in that sense, just acknowledge that it could exist, right? Like they don't want to even think about it being a possibility. Which is weird because then they, in like no uncertain terms, say that absolutely this just happened. Yeah, yeah. they still want to like hug her and kiss her. I think my one question though too is about you know about watching the movie and and all these back and forths and it being we us viewing it so differently i wonder you know we've seen so many movies that i feel like you just learn how to watch a movie like calvin you can watch a movie that i fall asleep at and you're like that was amazing (laughs) 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 did you see that acting their face like literally barely moved the whole time and i got so much (laughs) out of that movie this is the best calvin impression i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) so good you probably should have pinched your nose a little bit more. It sounded just like yeah, just yeah. steeple your hands a little bit. <laughs> <sighs> That's the one part you're missing. So, like, I f- sometimes I feel like when they when they double explain things or they're acting big, I wonder if people are kind of distracted by just watching a movie because you think about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, people falling out of their seats because it was so crazy. 
I feel like you still had to kind of learn how to watch a movie and keep up. And you know what I mean? Because I remember watching movies as a kid all the time and being, this is amazing. Mm. And now I've watched so so many movies. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. I feel like most of it's the the play thing. Mm. But it did seem weird how they repeated so many things to us. I do think it's more the play than... yeah. Because we watched Casablanca, and they do, I mean, that's like the same era. I think that came out in like 42, so there's some time between them. But the pacing of that still feels like you're watching a movie. Like, it feels like, it doesn't feel like a play. Yeah. Um, It feels like you're actually moving from place to place, and things are actually happening. And there is a lot of dialogue in that, too, because they talk so goddamn fast in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's still exposition heavy, but this one just felt like, some character would come in and they would talk about nature versus nurture and then a second character would appear and they would give their input on it and then that character would leave and the conversation would just remain on the same topic and we've now listened to 15 minutes of the same thing so i i I mean if that's how the play was then i understand that it just that's a tough thing to listen to in a movie yeah it was really it was hard and it's interesting because you can tell that they made no revisions to that script (laughs) sure (laughs) and then did not understand how to incorporate uh the cuts and the camera angles in (laughs) so they put in the cuts where the scenes ended and then things just changed after that like okay they were like a scene okay now we're gonna go into the transition where you walk out so we're gonna go to a different camera and then it's so abrupt and we're constantly moving around we have such a different set of expectations about what it means to be looking at it from a different angle because we assume that okay we're gonna gain more clarity on this scene on this character on uh something in the mise-en-scene we're gonna get uh get something about this uh character's emotions like i mean there's at least one cut where they where she when she finds the metal it cuts uh to to like see her face and zooms and in on zoom it. yeah oh which gosh. is the one time it happens i think it's like the only zoom in the whole movie so incredibly yeah. amateurish too was there a zoom and on like, the matches though or was that not a zoom it was just oh that's a, that was a great shot though i liked the matches yeah i don't think it was much of a zoom. it might have been a tracking shot where they mm-hmm. like just follows her followed hand, her yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah so we have we expect the camera angles to change to be telling us something and for them it was like this scene is over this makes a cleaner cut but man were there a lot of places where i thought that needs a cut because that feels so goofy like when mrs Mm -hmm. daigle is uh you know waving her hand around in people's faces like that's a cut right there that is so weird to see on film Mm -hmm. if someone goes into a motion you almost always cut to another angle so you can Mm -hmm. a make it more smooth because a lot of times that's where actors are going to break right there or they're looking for a good motion so you're setting up your camera shots in order to um make uh get the best take and make it feel seamless just in general um when people make lots of cuts if you were if you're trying to um uh get the most out of like a single actor's performance then you would do that but they didn't understand how they uh, that that space was wrong they wanted to fit everybody in the camera angle so putting her so far back in the frame makes it feel funny because that's how we interpret comedy shots yeah the fir- the smaller something mm-hmm. is in the frame the more insignificant it feels but for someone who is used to looking at things on a stage it just looks like okay we got everybody in there what a great shot yeah. we yeah. staged that perfectly if you had to compare it to anything that's like modern day filmmaking it it looks really similar to like a sitcom i mean that's yeah. exactly what it, it's filmed like mm-hmm. uh, which i understand is like same basic deal it's like you're on a sound stage and you have an audience there so I, I understand it's like the same thing but it is most sitcoms are they're comedic so 
it makes sense that we interpret that kind of yeah. shot as like, oh, this should this should have something funny going on in it because that's just kind of the way we're conditioned to see those kinds of shots. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. And considering that, I'm really glad, you know, since they couldn't convey a lot with the shots, I'm really glad they held our hand and really foreshadowed everything. So we really understood yes. Yes. how it fit together because I wasn't super sure all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like what was going to happen next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk about because that, that was one of my issues coming walking away from this movie this time around Uh, because i think the first time i watched it i was just kind of like i was i I mean once we get to the end then it makes the whole journey of the movie before it feel (laughs) worth it um so the first time i was just like oh my god that was the craziest thing i ever saw second time around now kind of looking back on it it was like you don't get a single second to there's zero ambiguity to the story i don't Mm -hmm. think and especially no ambiguity ambiguity to the dialogue every character spells out exactly what's happening and anyone who has a suspicion of Rhoda explains in detail why they have yeah. a suspicion and why she's guilty. Like Leroy is like the, I think the most blatant with it, like with his, his, uh, what is it? The blood sniffing, bloodhounds, blood sticks. Blood yeah. Bloodhounds. Yeah. The stick, the, the stick, stick bloodhounds. Blood yeah. They'll find a stick from miles away. Yeah. <laughs> And then he goes into depth on like the shoes. He's like, oh, you know what? I I heard something clanking in the furnace. And I was like, I bet those are shoes with metal cleats on them. (laughs) Like you just thought that really like there's no moment for anyone in the audience Mm -hmm. to be like, hmm, I wonder what happened. And he's the only one. I mean, with him, I don't mind him foreshadowing stuff and spelling it out because he's supposed to be, you know, like dumber than everyone else naturally dumb born dumb what would you say um so i don't yeah <laughs> that boy's like, born at the case of the dumb That's yeah, right. like the, the doctor pulls him out he's like oh boy yeah. <laughs> but he's just creepy too he's like this weird creepy crusty caregiver that obviously has a family that we never see so it's like it's it's an interesting setup to have him next to christine who's apparently a great mother and has this sh- shitty child or this evil child and then he's this just creepster but he's also like i'd be okay with him spelling everything out but it doesn't make sense when everybody's doing it like other people Mm -hmm. have monologues sure they should just be like normal people not foreshadowing and everything and leroy could add a really interesting element where you're like yeah he's just kind of wacky and trying to frame her instead of being backed up by everybody else in the story right because he should be the most unreliable one yeah or i mean also like another like psychological thing like he's just an aspect of her of uh rota subconscious she's like she's like the like like it's her inner head talking to her like dark passenger oh boy yeah like (laughs) he's her dark passenger yeah exactly (laughs) this was like this was like dexter in the 50s like that's where they drew their inspiration from was um, I but, like the girlfriend he gets in that show and he's like, oh, he's explaining his dark passenger and she's essentially like, what? That's stupid. <laughs> like, it's like my favorite part of the show. Is that the one with Ju- Julia Stiles? The, the fifth the fifth season one? Is that the girlfriend you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, the blonde... About? girlfriend and they're like killing other people yeah 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 yeah. that's that's funny because yeah she gets to the end she's like killed all of her um you know everyone on her on her hit list she's like well i'm done yeah (laughs) it's just like his inner monologue in this dark passenger has been so important to dexter and that story for so long and so then to have another character come and be like i that's really dumb yeah Yeah. (laughs) she's like well you know i i might open a bakery now (laughs) Uh, but yeah. I, I like what you said, Katya. It's, it, it feels like uh, Leroy could have actually been a character that made sense and fit in well. Like I, I his think monologues made yeah. sense then because he was, yeah. you know, talking to himself, creeping around. I think there's like almost a gem in this movie. It feels like it has a couple cool concepts. And if they were just put together the right way, 
then it would have been really good. Like if everyone just assumes that he's a, a creepy weirdo and he's not trustworthy and he's the only one who's like actually on to her and he's he's actually like mm-hmm. putting all these pieces together and no one believes him, then that would add some like cool tension into the movie. But like everyone suspects her immediately, it yeah. feels like. So yeah. there's she zero tension. Yeah, she was not subtle about it. It was not pre-planned. Like I think the, the problem I have with this movie is that 45 minutes into the movie, <laughs> we have just finally... Gotten through the shoes. Gotten through. No, <laughs> or the, not no, we're the on shoes. the metal still. Oh, yeah. we're on the metal. They're on the penmanship metal. Yeah, okay. exactly. Like we've just, she's just been confronted about like the, the possibility that her daughter's a murderer because she's talking with her teacher and Miss Dagle comes in. And then once they all leave, we are 45 minutes yeah. into a movie that should be at the 20 minute mark. It is amazing how much utter crap they jammed into 45 minutes that could have been done succinctly without even words like a lot of that stuff doesn't even need to be said but again like it's it's frustrating when i when i hear things like this movie made four times its budget because (laughs) it's it shouldn't have been made a movie it's a good play i can see my i mean the music ruins anything even if even if all of these shots are poorly framed. The music is so cheesy on top Ugh. of it that it robs every every Man. ounce of sentimentality. I love Claire de la Lune though, and That's I wish Claire de la Lune was the only thing they played the yes. entire time. And it needed to be oppressive, like when it was so loud while Leroy mm-hmm. is screaming and that and part's dying. good. Yeah, like that's that's a great use of sound design. That is probably what's in, also in the play. Which that's is why the climax of the play. Like th- that's what I think. Watching this the second time made me feel weird about because there were so many like da da. Like there was a few different climax moments where mm. you know what I mean, where things kind of came to a to a mountaintop. And um, the only one I remember from the play being like that, like the big kind of breakdown moment, was the music when Leroy was dying. That's mm. when Christine finally cracked. Hmm. She didn't really crack before then. You know, so yeah, this thing. Fun fact about the penmanship medal, by the way, it was an award for the most improved penmanship. Oh, and, and so Rhoda's then always been perfect. So there's no reason she, she should have gotten it. it. Yeah. Oh. So clear. Well, I feel like that Claude was glossed Daigle. over. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they, I think I don't think they specified it. They just said a penmanship award. Yeah. 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 So it makes her just seem like. Well, now I feel Justifying. even worse for Claude. He's exactly. Like, he's improving. Like he's getting yeah. better. He's he's got his whole life ahead of him. He's got a drunk mom. <laughs> he's doing his best. <laughs> a little cutie. I but, love Mrs. Daigle. She's great though. <laughs> I like the part where she's wagging her finger in front of Christine's face, like in inch away. It's so so goofy, but it's just so over the top. Yeah. It makes the it still. I would still recommend this. I thought it was still fun to watch it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't recommend it because you're gonna go see high art or anything. Yeah, or like you think it's gonna be really scary yeah. and a big surprise. I, there's like one, I would say, ominous, scary scene, and it's almost at the end where mm-hmm. Rhoda's like walking with the flashlight, like uh, along the fence posts and everything, and it's the same piano playing. Like that's, I was like, oh, the one spooky scene in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's like right at the end. Uh, I it could have done with more of that, I think. But again, I think it's all a product of its time, and I don't know that horror movies were. I mean, they're certainly not made then the way they are now where you have jump mm-hmm. scares and everything's about like how do you set up the music to enhance this scene or whatever. They're so I understand talking. they're different, but it could have been spookier, I think. Yeah. I also think for a lot of people, yeah, with the whole nature versus nurture thing, I think that was a really scary thought for a lot of people. And it would be scary to watch this and just be like, I never, I never even thought that this could be the case. 
Like maybe you'd heard random stories, right? So I don't know. I think that's the scary part and why they just talk about all the psychological stuff so much is they really want to drive that part home and I, make people get nervous about yeah. it. Yeah, It seems to be that's the central tension is like, oh, it couldn't possibly be her because we know by science that if she's in a good, loving environment that she can't be a psychopath. Of course not. That was but, the thing that scared me the most was so many like like a physician says like that's rubbish that can't be done that can't be correct like there are educated people who immediately took a stance that there is no way it's nature it's all based on your environment yeah and i I was like that's that's worrying to me that you're a man of science and you're like there's only one possibility and i'm putting my foot down and with that outburst i'm going to retire because my drink is empty yeah but there was a lot of talk about like well there was some of the talk about the environment too like they were a nice family but i don't think they ever punished her because they're always like, kiss me, hug me, sweetheart. You well, know, like basketball kids. Perfect, too. And she's always perfect. But that's part of the reason it's there was like that weird line about that's why they sent her to Miss Fern's school because they used, you know, more traditional um, ways to discipline children. To make them more childlike. To, to make them more childlike. Yeah, that was the problem is she, she felt they felt like she was too perfect. And I feel like there was like some unseemly quality to her perfection. Her unnaturalness. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they gonna beat I, her down a little bit. I think Miss Fern even said she's like, "There's something," or maybe it's Christine. She's like, "There's some unnatural quality to your daughter's like maturity and stuff like that." Yeah, <laughs> they like describe her as being unnatural and, it, and there being something off about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's weird. We, we come in, we just come in in the middle of this conflict when everyone's clearly formed their like has all this background with Rhoda and has formed their opinions. Like we don't just see this kind of like nice, loving daughter mother relationship that slowly gets soured or you know what i mean because it doesn't seem like christine has a lot of choice but to believe that her daughter murdered these people right and i i'm i'm always really mad that they connect it to the murderer like lady that she was adopted i just don't think that's necessary like i want it to just be this random evil child well but i i actually think that it works to have the the fact that christine was the daughter of a murderer because then it does introduce ideas like well maybe it is nature maybe that this mm-hmm. they maybe they're all just this line of bad seeds so i actually like that idea I to, to put true. to to plant that in your mind that like oh maybe they are just bad because they're bad and it's mm-hmm. has you know it it didn't matter that she was in like an affluent family with loving parents she was always going to be this way but then you have a bunch of doctors being like no it's all environment so i think mm-hmm. it tosses up that like bit of doubt yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. And I understand, like, why you would add that in is because it's like, well, here's a clear indication, like, you know, everybody gets something from their parents, right? So if this is a serial killer, what if they have a child? Then, then there's a logical line that some people can uh, be led to believe, like, okay, okay, I can understand that, like, why I would come to the, make that assumption, and then that makes enough sense to me that yeah, I can take that as a plot point. But it comes off, like... much like a soap opera like this twist like oh my mother how do you remember that that name angled oh my gosh yeah just like and it's also like a 20 minute scene where she remembers everything yeah where she remembers everything and i guess like she was like i don't know apparently not a child yeah i always find it tough in movies where it's like how convenient for the viewer that we showed up in this person's life just in the nick of time for them to have this like realization like you said it just uh, it, it feels uh, contrived it doesn't none of it feels natural mm-hmm. whereas yeah. like if we had known that she was like building to this point where she was going to have this big realization but it's not she yeah. just like kind of has a breakdown with her dad and then you find out like there's a chance that uh rhoda is a bad seed because 
she is like a part of a lineage of, of murderers. So yeah, and it also gets weird as soon as Christine. I feel like Christine, the mom, never really seems to be aggressive towards Rhoda or anybody at all until like she's like, yeah, my mom was this murderer. And then she gets like, there's a lot of times when she, you know, she's slamming the shoe and breaking the glass. She's shaking Rhoda. She holds her own arms back because like, what am I going to do? That felt kind of weird to me because I'm like, well, has she like felt aggressive before or she ever thought about killing someone or did she always kind of think that her mother was this one specific person that was a murderer? (laughs) So she was like super careful about it. You know, it's like how much in her life was this? But at the same time, I guess her dad was, um, was a rope murder, you know, covered murders and all these crimes. So she probably was around it all the time, which is another interesting part of that too. Cause she's like, she was probably surrounded by all these crime stories. That's good. Cause then you could say that that's a part of her environment. Is it her nature or or was it nurtured because she was surrounded by Calvin, there's so many levels. Oh man. Wow. Sorry. That's what this movie is all about. (laughs) I still think it comes off not great, but it is is good to like explore that and be like, okay, well, because I hadn't thought about that. It's like, well, if she was surrounded by a family that talked about murders all the time, then of course she would have that like suspicion in her head that like, Mm -hmm. that's just what she's surrounded by. That makes sense. I kind of want to move further. Let's like get to the end Mm -hmm. and the moments leading up to that. So uh, Christine has come to grips now that like Rhoda is killing people and her solution for it is to uh, overdose Rhoda with sleeping pills and then Christine shoots herself. And did they both end up surviving it yeah. somehow? She was wildly ineffective at both <laughs> counts. Um, it takes like, it, it seems like, a, it's actually one of the quicker scenes I think in the movie where... Surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> they they leave the hospital, Christine's still in the hospital, and then um, the father gets a phone call from Christine what feels like moments later. She's like, oh, they said I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah. And then she, uh, you know, talks about how she's going to have to like atone for these sins and whatnot. And and then you get to the end, which is my favorite part. And why I was so excited to have you watch this, Calvin, is Rhoda gets struck by fucking lightning at the end. (laughs) Foreshadowed. Foreshadowed by Leroy. (laughs) Yeah. Multiple talks about the, the electric chair. Like, oh, they don't they don't put little girls in electric chairs. Yeah, I like, love that. Oh, but the MPAA does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like the one thing I did forget about was the revolver, was the gun. That was the only thing that surprised me. I was like, oh, of course she's got to use the gun because they talked about the gun yeah. a long time ago. But that's the only thing I forgot. I thought she was just going to take more sleeping pills or overdose on the vitamins. Yeah, because she was saying that she was going <laughs> to sleep too and she got her own pills and then all of a sudden yeah. they, she shot herself. And I was like, oh, that was unnecessary <laughs> that's a surprise <laughs> but i could believe that then if it's like they were both discovered overdosed on pills and then yeah. they both survived it but she's got like this goofy wrap yeah. around her head <laughs> like she looks like she's wearing an abbot she's yeah. very glamorous though <laughs> still in the hospital very yeah. glam war war hero very very joan of arc yes <laughs> uh but yeah so i the reason that rhoda dies at the end of this because in the play she lives mm-hmm. and christine dies uh but the motion picture production code basically has a provision in it saying that like uh, crimes can't go unpunished in films at the time so basically like she had to she, law and order like she couldn't get away with it at the end so that's why they changed the end of the movie to have Rhoda be struck by lightning which to me is makes so much sense now because it just feels so out of place like it just happens yeah. out of nowhere and then the big wb 
logo comes out and it just says the end like, <laughs> the that's end. the movie <laughs> the end and by the way don't tell anybody what happened <laughs> i love that i love that the end. well apparently in the movie too um they kept they kept the last five pages of the script a secret until they were filming Oh, okay. Until they were filming the movie because they wanted the actors to be surprised. And then I just read a interview with uh, Patty McCormick. And when she tried to go watch the movie in theaters, they like didn't want to let her in. They're like, you're only 10. You can't watch. You can't, you can't watch the end of this movie. And she's like, okay, by the way, <laughs> I, that, I'm in the movie. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> kind of thing. They're like, you can't, we can't let you see a child get hit by lightning. <laughs> But we can let you pretend to be a murderer <laughs> for yeah. the whole time we're filming this. There's no like a... Which apparently other people ask, like, did you ever want to kill anybody? <laughs> like in real life. In her, in her interviews. I read so I, yeah. I, I read that she had said in interviews that it was fun to play, play that character. Yeah. Like be a, a murderer or whatever, which is spooky. Yeah. But I mean, it's also like, yeah, of course it's going to be fun because it's it's overacting. You get to act a completely different way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it allows you to try and be something that other other roles don't offer. Um, but I also think it's strange, like, that, I mean, so much of the, the original codes were in, um, influenced by morals, right? So it's weird thinking that they were more okay with a child being depicted to be destroyed sure. by lightning yeah. than, like, oh, but no, no bad deed should go unpunished yeah so weighing those two options that they ultimately decided yeah this she needs to get struck by lightning that's just like the only way we can allow this movie to go to <laughs> like this they're just communicating back and forth they're like okay we'll let you release it on one condition she needs to be struck by lightning at the end yeah she needs to die in an extremely gruesome way <laughs> so i also wanted to point out at the end there's essentially a curtain call which is to be, you know, to like harken back to it being a stage play. And apparently, at the end of the actual the stage play, uh, Nancy Kelly would spank Patty McCormick at the end because apparently audience members were so upset that um, Rhoda got away with it at the end in the play that oh. they they wanted to send it out on like a, a lighter note, and they wanted to have like the audience like kind of laugh before they trouble. left, mm-hmm. like oh, but like oh, little uh, little Patty McCormick or little Rhoda got what was coming to her. Don't worry. <laughs> And that's why it happens at the end of the movie, because we all got a good laugh out of that, because yeah. it feels so weird yeah, <laughs> that she, she got just got struck so by lightning. Oh, strange. Yeah, she got a smack on the little bum bum. She got a little <laughs> smack on the bum bum, which rolling back to like the whole, um, you know, getting to play a child murderer and having fun doing that. I guess my question is, which is more common of a fantasy? Being a changeling, like everyone says, is a very common <laughs> fantasy for children to expect they were found or being a child murderer, because... I definitely thought more about being a child who murders pe- people than being found in the woods when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, I never imagined being a change. This is going to be about the bad seed returns. <laughs> yeah. The sequel. Katya's revenge. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I just know. I think it'd be fun to think that you have, like, all this control. I think the weird thing for me about the movie is how it makes her seem, like, not very smart. Because it is so obvious and she doesn't do a good job of hiding it. Like, yeah. I just wanted her to be at this time in her life more cunning. Like, she'd started so early, she she would have figured out better ways to be sneaky by now. You know, like, I don't like that she got found out so easy. I mean, she is only eight, but I feel like she should have been better yeah. at killing people. I also her, love the idea of, like, her being a product of nature and then nature being like, uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to reset that. Oh, that's true. You are a mistake. Lightning's your real mother. 
Uh, Christine calls her an, ad- uh, an adroit liar, which is a word yeah. I had never heard before. It means clever, skillful, and using your hands or mind. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, Katya. I wish she was actually adroit then. Like, I wish she was smarter because it seems mm-hmm. like if, if Leroy is like supposed to be some bumbling idiot and he's essentially got her pinned, like he knows everything that's going on, well, then it's either that he is just being perceived the wrong way and he's actually a pretty smart guy or, yeah, she's, she's the actual yeah. bumbling idiot that is being caught. Then she's being found. That was one with Leroy. That was one of my favorite parts, I think, in the movie was where because he, he was so weird the whole time and like so pleased with himself. But because he was so spot on, we were like, why are you just like creepily antagonizing this girl? That you, and she know, you know, she's a murderer. Yeah, you must be really smart. But I liked when he switched and it, all of a sudden you're like, oh, he didn't know he was right. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of freaked out. So, yeah, but she was just like telling him, yeah, you're right, basically, like not trying to hide it from him at all. So yeah, I wish she would have been better. There needs to be more. Better at being sweet. More Excelsior and more Leroy in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, just Leroy. He's so excited to get on his Excelsior bed. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was so excited for pissing her off. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, he's like, I'm smarter, but he's really not. The thing is, is he's probably barely smarter than the average eight year old. So he's he's really excited when he can when he can best somebody, which is weird. A weird thing. Speaking of it uh, being an eight-year-old, uh, Patty McCormick was <laughs> 10 when they filmed this. And apparently there was some issues with the filming because they thought that she looked too old. So they put her in like oversized dresses and they had, did her hair a certain way to make her appear younger. I just think that's funny where it's like the discrepancy of two years was apparently a big enough deal. They felt like they had to point it out and address it. Because if you showed me an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old, I wouldn't know which one's older. So... I just think it was funny. I, mean, that I probably there was a deal would tell which, which one is older, but I don't know if I'd be like definitely a ten-year-old. I guess if a ten-year-old walked up to me and said, "I'm eight, I'll be like, "Yep, you sure are." <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Does that, that, does that mean you can smoke yet? <laughs> can you smoke? I can smoke whenever I want. <laughs> smoke Leroy. Which? What would you like? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> like, but real question: What would you actually do if you found out? your daughter was like a murderer like would you like had killed that many people and gotten away with it like would you turn them in or would you like just take care of it yourself like what would be the kinder thing to do right to the world and to your child for for a movie that has been like really corny and overblown most of it i actually thought christine's reaction to like like she's finally at the end of her rope and she's like you know the only thing i can do is if for the safety of everyone around me is i need to get rid of my daughter and i can't live with that so i also need to we need to have yeah. a murder suicide scenario here so i actually i think that that's not an unreasonable mm-hmm. reaction that she had uh, yeah. like what would i personally do i don't know <laughs> yeah, uh, true. but i but i didn't that was one of the parts of the movie where i didn't watch it and was like oh this is just unbelievable this is yeah know, out of character out of place i was actually like oh this is like the first really good bit of acting Mm-hmm. And it actually seemed to make sense with what was going on. Yeah, it was actually a natural culmination mm-hmm. of it, of all of the emotions that she had displayed. Of like, I will love you. I don't know what to do though. Um, I don't want anyone to hurt you. And but you can't keep hurting more people. Mm-hmm. Now she's seen <laughs> firsthand someone being lit on fire by her daughter. Yeah, I think that really tugs on someone's conscience. So. Yeah, it, it totally makes sense. I think that was the only thing, like, it was so subtle, really, the way everything was acted. 
So, yeah, that was a very, very good part of the movie. Yeah, I was a big fan. I was a big fan of that. And then somehow she missed her face. Well, (laughs) it's like maybe she didn't know where to shoot. Like, people didn't have the internet. They didn't know the best spot of the head to shoot. Bullet, I mean, bullet could have rolled around the skull. I mean, know? probably like the things? center of mass, maybe. <laughs> like, Shooting yourself in the eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> she comes out like years later with like all of these guides for how to actually kill yourself if you kill your child. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going to kill me and my child, <laughs> this is how, <laughs> this is how I, would I would have done it. <laughs> Here's how not to survive a self-inflicted gunshot wound. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. But um, anyway. Okay. Last question. What is your favorite quote of this movie? I found it to be... <laughs> oh, yeah. I found it to be pretty quotable. I wrote a couple down that I really liked. Uh, probably my favorite is uh, Miss Butter Wouldn't Melt Fern. <laughs> Miss Butter Wouldn't Melt Fern. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that a lot. Uh, it's so hard for me to uh, decide because my mom colored all of my memories of all of these quotes. <laughs> that was great watching it because... I picked this movie up because uh, one of my really close friends, his mom, loves this movie. And she kept telling me, she's like, you have to watch, you have to watch mm-hmm. it. So that's why I got around to watching it a couple years ago and wanted to. Uh, and then I found out like Katya had seen it uh, <laughs> since she was a kid. And yeah, the whole time we were watching, you're like, my mom says this all the time to me. <laughs> yeah, she's always like, was Monica, yeah. which is really not a funny quote. But she's just like, like whenever Christine's calling, she's like, Monica, yeah. have to do something. My mom will just be like, Monica. I don't know what to do. As so many social obligations. Yeah. That's probably my favorite favorite thing. She's just like kids these days. <laughs> so many social obligations. Yeah, I think uh, my, my favorite one was unnecessary question. <laughs> yeah, I, that, I love that. Wait, when was that? I forgot that one. She's asking, uh, Christine's asking Rhoda if her room is clean. Oh, <laughs> and then obviously it's clean because she's perfect. And yeah, I just love because she like looks up to the, to the side and like she's like, oh, that was such a silly thing for me to ask. Unnecessary question. Yeah. Me and my sisters would always look at our mom and just be like whenever um, whenever we did something bad or like we were joking around, we'd just be like, you're the nicest mother. I tell all my friends at school that. We tell her that all the time. We'd be like, you're the kindest mother, the nicest mother. And then we just hug her and kiss her and kiss her. And she's like, get off me. <laughs> like, Did you touch her neck and face in the most sinister way ever? <laughs> like, no, we just like hug her and like, you know. Yeah, you, should use that, you, you start like hugging her. She's like searching you for matches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where are your matches? Hey, maybe that's thought. Maybe that's why they picked Rhoda up so much too is because she was people thought she was bigger maybe they kept picking her up because like did people really pick up kids that much to stare them in the face i felt i thought the whole the man the male female relationships in this movie were very strange okay they were very strange all of them were very strange i mean that actually could be one one thing that you could say maybe it was environment because it sounds like it feels like every single man is a predator um including her own dad i wanted to ask if that felt more like because they were meant to be portrayed as predators or if it's just because it's 2022 and we look at that kind of stuff differently now and i'm not sure which it is but it was certainly weird watching some of the interactions with adult men with rhoda yeah Yeah. or Or like her own father like talking about like with daughters yeah yeah, like her own father talking about i just make all the girls go crazy yeah that's that's weird by most most standards yeah. i don't think that that's a, that's a product of the time it's just like why would you say that yeah. about your well, own I daughter think, yeah i guess i would, i feel that one feels more common than calling when christine calls her dad sweetheart 
that feels weirder. Oh, yeah. sweetheart. Like that's. But I think it's just another, another example of, of this type of thing rather than like, like taking it by itself. It's like, oh, that's, yeah. I feel like they forgot who was the dad in this relationship. Yeah. Are there dads in this relationship? Yeah. But yeah, cause in it, if they were all going to be predatory, like she killed all kinds of people, mm-hmm. men and women. She did not discriminate. Yeah, like you know. the the lady in Wichita, that, that oh, yeah. I I had forgotten about that part. Mm-hmm. Like rewatching, I was like, oh man, and that was one of the worst exposition dump scenes ever. Christine yeah. is like describes in detail. Just remember that, that that old lady that lived across from us, and you had dinner with her that one time, and then she died a few minutes later, and it, it she just fell like, five, five flights of stairs into, broke her neck. <laughs> into the stone courtyard. Yeah. <laughs> it was winter. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was a lot of words very quickly. <laughs> Like no one talks that way. And remember, she had that snow globe, <laughs> or the right bowl. There? It was the bowl with the fish in it. Yeah, I think she's just freaking out. Yeah, yeah. She could have just said, "Rhoda," <laughs> and just like, I don't know, looked at the snow globe. Be a little more understated. Yeah. And then it would yeah. be. And yeah. Because then again, because then it gives the audience a chance to be like, "Oh my God, Rhoda has been. She's been a bad seed for a long time. This isn't new behavior." Yeah. But no, it's just oh. immediately told to you. <laughs> oh, you know what I wanted to see? Thinking of that, I just wanted to see like. All of a sudden, mom in Rhoda's room finally talking to her, and all of a sudden, her mom looking at, yeah. <laughs> looking at the crystal ball, and then it just like an intense zoom, and just being like, Da-da! and then mom looking like to the other nightstand and seeing something else that's like a trophy, and being like, Da-da! and just looking like at <laughs> all these things around the room, and just having like a Da-da! <laughs> that would be perfect, and that would be like the moment where Guy Ritchie was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That'd that would have like fit well with, I mean, the way the movie with was the vibe. made. It would have been yeah. great. And yeah, then it would have made it even more scary for Christine to, yeah, as she's coming to that realization. That's a good, that's because a good tweak Because then also to put you in. didn't need to tell the specific story of the neighbor. You might not have known what the snow globe was, but once you started, like, if you went to the snow globe, to the metal, to like something else, to like yeah. something, you, you would have gotten it. Like, yeah. oh, she's killed a ton of people. Yeah. I would have liked that. Yeah. I wish, wish she had killed more people. Yeah, this movie did not have enough murder. <laughs> I, wish, I wish she had like a necklace of teeth. <laughs> you, oh my gosh. Oh, uh, how is she going to get the teeth? She's just a little girl. She's a clever girl. <laughs> She's like, I'm just a little girl. <laughs> just a little girl. All right. I think we're getting ready to wrap this one up uh, on a scale of one to ten. Uh, how many bad seeds did we sow in this one? Oh. <laughs> So this one's tough. It's one of those things. It's so bad. It's good. Um, but it's from the lens of 2022. And it's we have a different set of standards. If you make something and it ends up being bad, that doesn't mean that it's suddenly good because you just didn't understand what you were making. I think that's a, a product of, of reception by the audience. So I think this is fun. There's a, I would recommend this heartily to anybody that's like, oh, I don't like horror movies. Like, well, you're going to love The Bad Seed because it's horrifying in other ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, it, as a film, though, it's like a two. It's like a 2.2. Okay. It's, it's, bad. it's a bad seed. Sure. <laughs> I think I, I probably land with the same rationale you did. I find this super entertaining even though it feels like it's a, it, it could be condensed into like a 30 minute like episode of something you just watch on TV. Mm. Uh, it still was worth it. I think, especially just for the, there, there's so many like good quotable lines and uh, funny overacting and, and the climax is wonderful. It's in my top three 
best climax of a movie. The other one would be uh, I love Whiplash. Love the end of that. Yeah, that's a great build up. And then I love the end of. Um... Oh man, what is that Denis Villeneuve movie? Uh, the Spiders. The Spiders. Oh, Enemy. Oh, uh, enemy. the end of Enemy, where it's yeah. the big tarantula in the room. That's my other favorite ending. Yeah. But this one's like right up there with it. That's crazy because they're all so very different. I know. I know. It <laughs> feels wrong to have different. the bad seed. <laughs> up with that like higher echelon of film but yeah i love the ending of this uh but yeah i would put it at like probably a three in terms of like the movie but like 10 in terms of entertainment i love watching <laughs> this movie i think it's so much like fun to sit down and like have a good laugh at and be like wow movies were different then <laughs> yeah where do you land on this katya i'm reading reviews right now <laughs> trying to decide no i'm not trying to decide but there's one really good one that says you know it's hard now to see what all the fuss was about <laughs> I feel like that's kind of how I feel about even it's hard now for me to see what all the fuss was about when I originally watched it. Like <laughs> young I, Katya, like young, why was I young so Katya thought this was like a 12 out of 10. It was like this. <laughs> it was like one of the scariest, most surprising movies I had ever seen up to this point. Right. But yeah, it's, it's down there. I'm going to say four out of 10 bad seeds were sown for me in, in my own body during this movie. I think this this movie has a lot of cultural impact on your life specifically. Sure, me specifically. But this still gets a recommend out of you, like. Oh yeah, I will tell. Ev- I will tell everyone good. to watch this movie. Yeah, so I think that's for the, forever. That's the good takeaway. Yeah. Go definitely go yeah. watch it, and then and then make fun of it afterwards. Yeah, uh, I think that's like the best use of this movie. Highly mm-hmm. recommend. All right, yeah. with that we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, thanks for being on, Calvin. Oh, thanks for having me. And thanks again, Katya, for being here. Mm-hmm. And well, remember, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you can find our podcast on uh, Apple Music and Spotify. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And uh, go ahead and leave suggestions in the comments as well. And with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting. <laughs>